Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Greetings. We've had a special opportunity this week of having Raul Reese here at our Wednesday night showing us a feature film documentary called Taking the Hill, all about his experiences in Vietnam and helping soldiers cope with post-traumatic stress, and also his own testimony of what the Lord has done in his life. We also have the special privilege of having Raul this entire weekend giving our weekend messages, and we're just thankful for his friendship and his ministry. Would you please give a warm welcome to Pastor Raul Reese? Thank you. Good to be with you. It's always a blessing to come to Albuquerque. It's like a second home. And we just really thank God for you guys praying for us and praying for the ministry. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much this morning once again. For the Holy Spirit, Father, we ask you that you would touch our lives, Father. Lord, we pray for those in Afghanistan this morning, Father, that you keep those young men, Father, safe. Be with their families, Lord God. Be with Skip and Lenya, Father, as they're on the way there, there in Israel, Father. Use them there, Father, and the group that is with them. And Lord, we pray for this morning, too, for all the burdens, all the uh, trials, Father, that people have been going through. And Lord, we ask you that you would speak to our hearts this morning through your word. We give you all the praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray these things. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. You know, to me it's always amazing the way the Paul, Paul the Apostle, the way he writes his epistles are just amazing. You look at these 14 letters that he gave to us in the book of Ephesians. It's such an incredible book, only six chapters long. But in the first three chapters, he teaches you what you are in Jesus Christ. In the last three chapters, he says, now that you know who you are in Christ, this is the way you should live. And I think that's the hardest part for so many people. How do we live as Christians? And yet we're instructed to the whole Word of God exactly how we should be living according to the Holy Spirit that has been given to each one of us individually. To me it's important to understand that when Paul writes this message, we understand that he writes it to know that we are living in the last days. The title of my message is, Why Redeem the Time? Look at everything around you, what's happening today. Let's just go back to the time where 9-11 took place, and we saw our nation being attacked by the enemy. And yet at the same time as we see what's happened in 9-11 and what's happened since then, and where we're heading as a nation, we look at our nation today, and we're allowing not only Islam to conquer us, But as you travel around the country, you begin to see that even in Detroit today, there's over one million Muslims. In California, they're coming into California, settling down. They're building mosques everywhere in California. We have two by our own church. And so to me, it's not the people, it's the radical Islam that we need to be careful with. And at the same time, our military 
has gone through so much. These young men coming back from Afghanistan, from Iraq, they have really not only experienced the problems with war, but then at the same time, think of those that are going to be coming back from Afghanistan. And look at the church today. The church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When I look at the church and I travel around the country and travel around the world, I see the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was an interesting church. It was a church that really not only was striving in bringing division to the church, but also was struggling in living the Christian life and at the same time wrestling and bringing confusion with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So Paul the Apostle had a great experience in writing every one of his epistles, not only to encourage, but to exhort the church. Listen to what he says here as we look at the book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 through 18. He says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, you notice, with much, but be you filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I love how Paul writes his letter. The word circumspect here comes from two Latin words. It means looking around. The Greek carries the idea of precision or accuracy. It reads like this. See that you walk carefully with exactness is the meaning. The opposite would be walking carelessly and without proper guidance and forethought. When you think of that walk in Christ Jesus. Now when you look at the world today, I like to concentrate in verse 16. He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Let me give you some past history and some statistics. For example, concerning earthquakes. In 2005, Pakistan had an earthquake 7.6. It killed 86,000 people. 4 million people left homeless. And then 2008, China had a major earthquake, 7.9. It killed again 87,000 people and displaced more than 5 million people. 5 million people. And then how about the wars that we fought in the past? World War I, 37 million casualties, 200,000 American casualties. Think about how incredible that is. World War II, 46 million deaths, 6 million deaths among the Jews. Remember the Holocaust? When Hitler killed 6 million Jews. Now historians believe that the number of worldwide military and civilian deaths top 60 million. 60 million. And that's not counting Vietnam, that's not counting right now Iraq and Afghanistan. And yet again, Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists in the whole world, he preached to over 2 million people in his lifetime. He has preached in 185 countries in 417 crusades. I mean, the gospel of Jesus Christ has been given to the world. And yet look at the church today, even though the church is supposed to be salt and light. The church is struggling. 
Think of how many people have heard that the coming of the Lord is very soon, and yet many, many have lost hope in the coming of Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Look at their lives. Look at their lives. Lives of carnality. Lives that really do not match the Word of God. And yet Paul the Apostle in the 14 letters that he writes, starting with Romans or the book of Hebrews, he writes and he exhorts the proper way that we're supposed to be living. When he talks to the Corinthians in chapter 5, what does he do? He talks about those that will not inherit the kingdom of God. And by the way, every one of the letters Paul wrote is not written to non-believers, it's written to believers. To believers, to the church. And he says that many of the church people come out of the world, and we come out and we accept Christ, and then we begin to live the Christian life. But many times as we grow cold in the Lord, and we backslide and we leave our first love, we begin to live the lives that we hated before, and when we go back the second time, it's like the dog going back to his own vomit. And like the pig that is washed down, and then you release him and he goes back to the mud. And think about the church, how the church, many times homosexuality, lesbianism, fornication, adultery, lying, cheating, robbing, all these sins that Paul talks about said, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Who's that? Those that continue to practice such things. Paul is very straight in what he says. Another translation to that verse, it says, don't walk in your sleep, wake up, open your eyes, make the most of the day. Make the most of the day. Look at the church today when you look out and you see how it's struggling. And yet when I see and I read the Bible, I see that Jesus Christ could come at any point in time. When I go back to the Old Testament and I read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you have the book of, actually the five books, the Pentateuch of Moses. And as you travel from the five books of Moses, you come to the historical books. And you come from the book of Joshua to Ezra, and then you go through, the, again, you go through those prophets, and then you come to the Psalms, and the book of Proverbs, and Ecclesiastics, and you have these poetical books. Then you come to the major prophets, minor prophets, and then 400 years of silence from the book of Malachi to the book of Matthew chapter 1, 4,000 years fulfilled from Genesis to the book of Matthew chapter 1. And then in chapter 1 of Matthew, we have the first coming of Jesus Christ. And at the first coming of Christ, He came to show us His grace, His love and mercies, and the way that we should live. And then from Matthew chapter 1, all the way through Mark, Luke, and John, and then you go through the epistles, and you come to 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, Jude, and the book of Revelation chapter 19. And in chapter 19, we have the second coming of Jesus Christ. From the first coming to the second coming, it's 2,000 more years that have to be fulfilled. That's 6,000 years. And then the kingdom age is 7,000. And then the new heavens and the new earth starts the 8,000 years, which is the number of new beginnings. Seven is the number of perfection. Six is imperfection, the number of men. And so when you look at the Bible, the, uh, the Bible is so accurate, so accurate. 
Right now we're living at the close of the last 2,000 years before the kingdom age. When you go back to the book of Daniel chapter 9 verses 24 to 27, we have the seventh week of Daniel. There we see that Daniel speaks about 70 times 7, 490 years that have to be fulfilled before the Lord comes. We know this, that from the book of Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1, when Artaxerxes the king gave the command to, and to Nehemiah to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem, he went back there on March 14, 445 BC, the command was given. When you come to the New Testament, and Jesus is entering the city of Jerusalem, riding upon the colt of an ass. It was April the 632 AD. And that point in time from Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1 to the book of Matthew chapter 21 verse 1 was 483 years fulfilled of the 490 years. Which only gives you seven last years. Right now we've been living for the last 1900 years by the grace of God. The unmerited favor of God that is given to you and I. And yet when I think of the grace of God, I think what's coming in the future. The next event, prophetically speaking, in God's calendar, it's what? The rapture of the church. The rapture is that great, great event where the Bible says that God has not appointed you and I to wrath. And the word wrath in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 is the word for the tribulation period. The last seven years where the Antichrist will rule and reign. The Antichrist spirit has been here, according to John, for what? For 2,000 years almost. But the Antichrist person cannot make his appearance until the church is taken out of the way. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1-11, through 11, read it when you go home. Now to me it's important to understand that if we're living in the last days, and we are living at a time where the rapture is the next event in God's prophetical calendar, then after the rapture of the church, many, many people in the church, they live the lives of carnality. And we're not living according to the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us there's going to be many, many people that are going to be left behind into the tribulation period. If you read the book of Revelation... And the only way those people that are left behind when the rapture takes place is to be beheaded. Or you have to take the mark of the beast, which is the number 666. And then at the same time, when you think of the rapture of the church, then also in Ezekiel 38 and 39, Ezekiel talks about this war that is coming, because in Ezekiel chapter 36 and 37, we have the birth of the nation of Israel, what's taking place today. And in chapter 38 and 39 is when the Soviet Union, Rosh or Meshach, gathers together those nations that are mentioned in that book, in chapter 38, 39, and they make an invasion against Israel, but God stops them. And He wipes out 80% of that army. And it takes nine months, think about this, it takes nine months for people to come in professionally, mark the bodies, and then bury the bodies. Probably because of nuclear weapons, it's going to take place. And then the Bible tells us that after Ezekiel 30, 39, 
Then the next event will be what? The Antichrist will make his appearance. And then the last seven years of world history by the second coming of Jesus Christ to establish his kingdom. So it's important that the church understands if this is true, then what kind of lives are we living today in Christ Jesus? It's incredible when I counsel with people when they come in for counseling. To know that in the church, not outside of the church, that the wife is committing adultery on the husband or the husband on the wife. And the husbands are supposed to be the leaders of their home, spiritual leaders of their home. So but how can your children or even grandchildren, how can they truly follow the Lord if you're having a hard time yourself following the Lord and you're not really being obedient to the Word of God? Then God has to do what? Hebrews chapter 12. He has to chasten you. He has to chasten the church. I believe that in the last four years, the church has been chastened. The next election will even tell us even more about our nation. And then at the same time, think of all the people that still do not believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they continue to live as if there is no God. Those are the world people. But my concern is not the world people, my concern is you, the church. The church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let me give you five reasons, five reasons why we should redeem the time. Why do I have to redeem the time as a Christian? Reason number one, it's a mark of being wise. It's a mark of being wise. Having and possessing the wisdom of God in my life. How do I get that? I get that by studying God's Word. By reading the Bible. Taking from Genesis all the way through Revelation. Reading, praying, understanding. And then applying the principles of God's Word in my life. So that I can what? So I can overcome Satan, my enemy. Satan, my enemy. The one that wants to destroy my life. That's why Paul says in chapter 5 verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. A fool walks always in what? Darkness. In darkness. A fool also walks according to the flesh. He's fleshly. And then a, a fool also is walking like the world, like the heathen. You can't tell the difference between that Christian and the world. Paul calls them carnal Christians. And remember what Jesus said to the church of Ephesus. He says, repent and return to your first love. If you don't repent, then I'll come in and I'll remove my presence and I'll go somewhere else and work. Repent. Turn back to the Lord. Thirdly or fourthly, the church or the foolish are walking in craftiness. In craftiness. And then, fools always walk in sin. Sin, the missing of the mark. They don't really want to overcome sin. They love sin. And even though they came out of the world, they're still infected by the world. And you can tell by their devotional life, you can tell by their church attendance, that many times people come to church to feel good, 
They do it traditionally. My great parents, my great grandparents, my my parents, and you know, so on and so on. They came to church, so I must continue to go on. Or they trust in baptism. Maybe you grew up as a Catholic, you trusted in your infant baptism. You think you're saved, but you're not. And there's other things that are trying to not only share with us the gospel of Jesus Christ, but to understand that there's only one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He's the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And so when we come to Jesus Christ, and we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, we should no longer walk as the world walks, but we should walk in the newness of life, Paul said. In the newness of life. Secondly, here is how a wise man should walk. This is the positive side. A wise man should walk in the light. In the light. See, people say, well, if I'm walking in darkness and there's no light, how do I get to the light? Well, if you have to go through the wall, find the switch and turn it on. That's simple. And then the darkness will fade away. You'll be able to see. And then a wise man also walks in Christ Jesus. My position is not outside of Christ, in Christ. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. He's the one that redeemed me. And then a wise man walks according to the power of the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit baptizes me and empowers me. I can remember when I first came to Christ. I mean, there was no possible way that I could come to Christ unless He would touch my life. And that, by the way, those of you that are here today, you're visiting, you're not a Christian, you can relax, nobody's going to force you to do anything. You can go back home the same way you came here. But if the Holy Spirit begins to deal with you this morning and brings you to conviction, you're going to have to make a decision. A decision. Either to accept Him or to reject Him. To accept Him or to reject Him. And to me it's amazing that when God came into my life, He came to my life in a very desperate time. A time when I was going to execute my wife and my children. And it was by a television program when Pastor Chuck Smith was with the Jesus people. And I tried to break the TV. The TV came on and Jesus Christ spoke to me through Pastor Chuck. And I became born again of the Holy Spirit. And that's the way God works with each one of our lives. So it's important that by walking by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the only one that can bring conviction to our lives, to our hearts. And so the Holy Spirit not only majors in my life, but He controls my life. And I, because I have been born again, and because I've been created, you know, and God has given me a will, then I make the choices either in darkness or I make the choices in the light. Another thing that a Christian has to do, a wise Christian, is we need to walk in love. Agape love. We need to walk in love. Sometimes there's so many petty things in the church like divisions, because maybe people don't dress like you dress, so we gossip about them, or maybe there's other things in the church that are going on, and we turn against one another when we should be gathering together, instead of separating one another. We need to be forgiving one another, not judging one another. That's the love of Jesus Christ. And then another thing, a wise man walks by faith, not by feeling. That's the problem with so many new Christians. 
You know, they receive this feeling when they come to Christ, and then the feeling leaves. Satan comes in, begins to tempt you, begins to deal with you, and he tells you you've committed the unpardonable sin, you're not saved anymore, and they freak out. Until they find out that it's a walk of faith. A walk of faith with obedience. Obedience in the kingdom of God. And then the other thing for wise people is this, that we need to walk pleasing God. Pleasing the Lord. Are you pleasing God today? It's very important to please God, that when you get up in the morning, what is the first thing that you do? You get up, you go to the restroom, you take a shower, you brush your teeth, you get dressed, you eat breakfast, and then you get in your car and you leave. Now, if you do that kind of a thing in your life, let me ask you the question, throughout the day, since you didn't spend time with God, how are you going to protect yourself against Satan and all his schemes? If you don't have a devotional life. The first thing in the morning that I thank God for, is the night before when I went to sleep. When I visit hospitals, I see people with oxygen tanks to survive. Think of during the night when you go to sleep, we don't even think that God through the night keeps you breathing. In the morning, I thank God for one more day of breathing in this world. Why? Because He controls your breath. And then I like to stay, get up in the morning, and what do we do? Open the Word of God. As we pray to Him, as we read the Word of God, and then we get ready for work or school, wherever you're going, we're going out, like Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18, with the full armor of God, ready to do battle against Satan. Ready to do battle against Satan. And then what? We're pleasing God because we walk by faith and we're being obedient to the Word of God. Reason number two, life is too short. Life is too short. Redeeming the time, Paul said. It's important that we redeem the time all the time. Listen to a Chinese proverb. It says, Opportunity has a forelock so you can seize it when you meet it. Once it is passed, you cannot seize it again. We can never go back to yesterday or the day before or 20 years before this. It's done. We need to live in the present and look into the future. So if we need to live in this way, the Bible describes actually life in this way. Life is like a dream. Life is like a shadow. Life is like a cloud. Life is like a flower. Life is like vapor. Every one of those things that I gave to you, we can see them and then they vanish away. So does man. We live here for a short time. As we live as young men, young women, in the middle of our life, until we get old, isn't that interesting? They were born through our parents in infancy, and we return to infancy. Think about that. Because of the pride of the world. Because we think that we can take care of ourselves. And God says, no, you can't, you need me. So important to look at God and His perfect will that He has for each one of us individually. Now, how does a wise man take care of his time? Well, number one, he builds his time on prayer. 
Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. Secondly, is by studying God's Word. Giving time to the Word of God. Genesis to Revelation. If you're going to give the full counsel to people, then you need to read the full counsel. Genesis to Revelation. The importance of reading God's Word. Thirdly, we need to fight and resist the enemy. Fight and resist the enemy. Read Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18. And then the third reason given to us, the days are evil. Look around you. As in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. He says in verse 16, the first part, but the days are evil in the present. Notice what's going on and look into the future. We know that Jesus spent chapter 24, 25, Mark 13, Luke 21, sharing with us about the last days. And then what about the book of Revelation and the Old Testament books that talk about the coming of the Lord? Think about what Christ has done in us and through our lives. And then at the same time, look at the origin of evil that we see today. Evil, the beginning of Satan, when Satan was kicked out of heaven. And then he came to the Garden of Eden, and Adam and Eve were tempted, and they sinned against God. As they entered that beautiful Garden of Eden, and then they came against God by eating of the tree, and at the same time being disobedient to God's Word. And then how about the evilness of men's hearts? The evilmen of men's hearts. And then the evil of the inflaming lust of the flesh that is consuming so many people. You know what was interesting? I was in a conference with men, 4,000 men. And as I gave my message, I told them to bow their heads and I told them to raise their hands to those people, those men, that were having problems with pornography. Listen, 80% of that congregation raised their hands. 80%. And the problem is not the books. It, the problem is your computer. The websites. And what people don't understand is that the actual computer has a brain. And when, uh, when your computer is seized on a crime, a murder, they take your computer to find evidence. No matter if you delete all of the things you have in your computer, the main brain keeps it forever. Did you know that? Forever. So not only your wife or your husband knows where you've been, but the most important thing, God knows. God knows what you're doing. That's why it's so important, man, to actually reckon the old man to be dead. To die to self. To die to one's lust of the flesh. And at the same time as Christians, we should be guarding our hearts. How? By overcoming the world. By overcoming evil with good. By overcoming Satan by the word of God. Just as Jesus rebuked the devil, it is written, it is written, it is written the same way we should do that. But if you don't know God's word, if you don't study God's word, what kind of a defense do you have against Satan? Zero. Zero. Now the fourth reason is this, that God has given us a mind to use so that we are logical when we think. He says in Ephesians 5.17, Therefore do not be unwise, notice that. Don't be unwise, but be wise. Paul the Apostle writing to the Romans, 
chapter 12, 1 and 2, he said, Therefore, my brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Notice what he says. Completely taking over my mind by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, remember, the sacrifices, lamb, goats, turtle doves, pigeons, they were all killed. And then the blood was sprinkled. In the New Testament, he says, I don't want any dead sacrifices. I want living sacrifices. Why? Because Jesus Christ redeemed our lives. He became the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, He's the one that redeemed each one of us individually and brought us to His grace and to His love and mercies. Now finally, the fifth point is that God has a plan for your life. Did you know that? That God has a plan for each one of us here? Again in Ephesians 5.17 He says, But understanding what the will of the Lord is, what the Lord was for each one of us individually, Paul alluded to this plan of God. In Ephesians 2.10 he said, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Notice that. We are His poema. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. God's purpose for each one of us individually is not to be miserable, but to be at peace with God. How do I do that? By being obedient to God. By coming to the cross of Jesus Christ, confessing my sins, repenting of my sins, walking in the newness of life with Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. You know what's interesting here is God's revealing His plan for our lives is that He always wants to reveal not part of the will, but His scope perfect will for each one of our lives, fully and completely. In Colossians 1.9, Paul said, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for each one of you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. How can we have spiritual understanding if we continue to walk in the passions of the flesh? We can't. We can't. And I guarantee you in the congregation right now, and those watching through the internet, hundreds and hundreds are struggling with their flesh. It's not until you crucify your flesh. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24? If any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Deny means to forget about yourself. The instrument of the cross is dying to yourself and then following Jesus Christ by walking in obedience to His Word fully and completely. Secondly, God reveals His plan through His Holy Spirit in our hearts. Jeremiah 79, The heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who could know it? I, the Lord, know your hearts. He says in Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful to God. Look what God has done in your life today. 
You're here. Have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. The way you came into this building this morning, make sure you don't leave the same person when you leave this building. Make sure you make peace with God. Make sure that all of your sins are wiped away by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And as a Christian, if you're walking in the flesh and you're participating in the things of the flesh, you need to repent and return to your first love. Return to your first love. If not, Jesus said what to the church? I will come and I will remove my presence from the church and I'll go somewhere else and work. It's really important that we come to that place in our lives where we realize that the only way, the only truth, and the only life is Jesus Christ. And no matter what you're going through today, physically, mentally, doesn't matter. God can touch your lives in such a powerful way like He touched my life. Four years ago when we made this film, the first thing that saying this attacked my mind. I hadn't had any flashbacks. And when I made this film, when I went to Vietnam, before I went to Vietnam, I was very sick for six weeks. I couldn't teach, I couldn't preach, I couldn't even go to Calvary. I was in my home, got rid of all my weapons, I closed the windows, I had paranoia. My wife had to sleep by holding my hand like a little baby. I thought I would never come out of it. And I prayed, and God finally touched my life. I went to Vietnam, we filmed in Vietnam. I came back, and through that, through that, and by the article that Franklin Graham put in this this actual magazine, the government got a hold of me, and through that, they got a hold of my three friends. We lost 42 guys in in my actual company. And in my platoon, there were three guys that I hadn't seen in 40 some years, and the government got a hold of them, and we connected together, we went to actually the wall together, and there in my film, and there Kamateris gave us a little book, a diary that he had, that we didn't know nothing about. He gave a copy to each one of us, and as a Christian reading that diary, I was ashamed. I was ashamed of the things that I did. But I was not a believer. And through that, God not only used the film... But through that, two of those friends of mine have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's touching hundreds and hundreds of veterans. And so we want you to pray for that film. In the same way, think how God not only reveals Himself to each one of us individually. And that plan that He has for us in our hearts. And then lastly, God reveals His plan through circumstances. What is your circumstance today here? What is your circumstance? Listen, the Lord is not in a far distant place. He's here today. And the Lord doesn't depart from our lives. Wherever you and I go, God is with us. So it's really important that we understand that our confidence is not in this world. My confidence and in my circumstances is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. What do I need to do? I need to repent and return back to the Lord. And if you're not a Christian, you need to repent, and you need to come to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and He will give you eternal life, and He'll forgive every one of your sins this morning. Father, I come before you this morning once again to thank you, thank you so much for your love for your grace, for your mercies. And Lord, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit.
anyone that is sitting here right now in the fellowship hall, in those campuses that are there, wherever you are, and through the internet, that if you, first of all, are a non-believer, you came here without God, you can live here with God. But you got to make that choice. You have a will to be obedient, to be disobedient, to go to heaven or to go to hell. And by the way, hell was not made for men. It was made for the devil and his demons. Matthew 25, 41 says that. If you're here today, male, female, young, old, I don't care who you are. You want to receive Jesus Christ? I want you to stand to your feet as we worship and walk out to the aisles and come up here to the front of the stage and I'm going to pray with you when you come up. Get up and come now as God speaks to you. Just come, anybody else. This is the time, this is the day of salvation today. Not tomorrow the next day. If you're here today, Christ wants to come into your hearts just like all these that have come up. Anybody else before I pray? And those watching through the internet, we're going to pray in a moment. You can pray too and watch in there. Just come. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? What's so cool is the way God works in people's lives. You know, you can't hide, but you can't run. God will pursue after you because He loves you so much that He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And I know there's many more of you here, but you make the choice. Yes or no. Heaven or hell. Christ or the devil. That's what the Bible teaches. Not religion. I hate religion. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Buddhism, Islam... I mean, any religion will never save you. It will condemn you to hell. There's only one way, one truth, and one life, and that's Jesus Christ. One mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And that's why these people are here. Anybody else? Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Awesome. I want to pray with you guys, okay? Okay, you want to come anybody else? Before I pray, I don't want to miss you. All right, why don't you guys pray with me this prayer. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus... Please forgive me, Lord, for all of my sins. I confess to you that I have sinned against you. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. And I receive you this morning as my Lord, as my Savior. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. And with your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to give you guys a Bible, some literature. See that guy right over here, you guys? Go right over there. Move that away, okay? Right to there. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May He watch over you. Sing one more song. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org. If you have made a decision to follow Christ or would like someone to pray for you, please leave a message with our prayer watch line at 505-344-3658. Thank you and God bless.